Good, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, and uh, welcome to the show. We have a lot to get to today, and we start with breaking news. In Division Three just happened late this afternoon, early evening, depending on where you are. St. Norbert has announced that they have suspended, for lack of a better description, the women's basketball program for 10 games. The reason, apparently, according to the statement from St. Norbert, State, and we'll read it right from them. The St. Norbert women's basketball team is unable to compete in its next 10 women's basketball games due to a violation of institutional policy stemming from an on-campus alcohol-related incident involving a number of players. The decision, as decided by the St. Norbert College student judicial review process, suspends the involved students for 10 games. The suspension is effective immediately and will run through January 24th. The health and wellness of our student body is paramount importance, it says Reverend Jay Fosner with St. Norbert, Vice President of Mission and Student Affairs. He goes on to say, we have high expectations of our student-athletes and our students in general. Unquote. Additionally, St. Norbert is ineligible for the Midwest Conference Women's Basketball Tournament and regular season championship because it is unable to play a full conference schedule as a result of a situation within an institution's control. The Green Knights have currently played eight games, are 5-3, and 3-0 and in MWC play. St. Norbert will continue with practice and other team functions prior to resuming its season on January 27th at Cornell. That is what we lead off Hoopsville with. We will get more on that in just a moment. But a reminder, you can interact with the show at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville on Twitter. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we are streaming our program tonight. You can also um, email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. That's how you can get a hold of us. Lots of ways to do it. And we hope you'll take advantage of the opportunities um, so the St. Norbert thing basically trumps a lot of everything else we have to talk about. We'll quickly mention our guests for this evening. Interestingly enough, uh, we'll be talking about the Midwest Conference from a different point of view. But first, we'll talk about teams that are certainly off to good starts, maybe have had surprising uh, results. Um, but more importantly, you're trying to manage the season at this point because this is the time of the season when things get really challenging. You have finals and you have holiday breaks, and teams have to find a way to massage their seasons and keep the momentum that has been going already. So joining us on the show tonight to talk about those things uh, from Averett Men's Basketball. Appreciate them last-minute invitation to join us. Their head coach will talk about the fact that they're the ODAC killers. <laughs> For lack of a better description, they're off to a tremendous start uh, if they were in the ODAC. We'll talk to uh, David uh, Dan head coach, sorry, doing three things here at the same time, about Averitt. Then we'll switch over to the Midwest Conference and talk to Lake Forest men's basketball. They're off to a tremendous start this season with some significant wins. I know of the two play two voters who are voting for them. I am one of them. We will talk to them about, really, what does this mean? Is the Midwest Conference in men's basketball at least a little bit um, deeper, for lack of a better description, than we've seen in a long time? We also will then switch into women's basketball. We will talk to Wisconsin Lutheran. They're off to a tremendous start. Looks like they've got a team getting some top 25 attention that is playing pretty well. Probably expect a lot out of them. And then we'll go down to Texas. And the Austin uh, Kangaroos may be 4-4, four and four, but they've got some significant wins. They also have a very unique scheduling situation. We will talk to their head coach. Had a lengthy conversation with her. It was a fascinating conversation. 
Uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, Coach Feilander will discuss it all with us. So that's still ahead, but let's get back uh, to a couple things. One, we have uh, last night to recap, and we have this St. Norbert story. So again, St. Norbert has decided to park its student judiciary committee, basically parked a number of its student athletes for behavior uh, related to alcohol. What does that exactly mean? What's at play? How'd this all come about? Uh, Dan Lucas, the basically the athletic communications uh, director for uh, St. Norbert uh, Knights, took some time just a short time ago to join me, and he discusses what this all means uh, for the school and for the team. Uh, he joined me just a little bit earlier. Now joining me on the Hoopsville Hotline, the assistant athletics director and athletics communications individual, Dan Lucas, joins us from St. Norbert. Thank you for taking the time, sir. Not a problem, Dave. And obviously, as I've discussed already, as we've started this show, a surprise announcement here late this afternoon that the women's basketball program has been essentially suspended or really unable to play for the next 10 games. I think that's, let's start there. There's a little bit of a gray area there. Suspended versus that means the whole team. Unable to play means maybe there's not enough players. Do I get the sense that this doesn't necessarily involve all the players on the team, but we do have enough that it now is problematic? That, that's correct, and in, in the statement I sent and that that Gordon posted, uh, you know, I used the word unable, and that's exactly where we are. We we wouldn't have enough where we'd be able to compete uh, over over the next ten games. Now those ten games take us until January twenty fourth. It obviously has a lot of the conference games. We'll talk about that in a minute, but I want to back up a little bit. I read the quote from Reverend Jay Fosner. Uh, the the Vice President of Mission and Student Affairs for St. Norbert. And it says, the health and wellness of our student body is paramount importance. We have a high expectations of our student-athletes and our students in general. And that certainly is what we would expect when we hear that this is a violation stemming from an on-campus alcohol-related incident. Considering the nature of your school and the religious side of it, the the or what the spiritual side of it, however you want to, does that to take it at face value or as others might read into it, maybe this was a hazing incident. Well, I, I would say it, it, if, if you get into it, it, it doesn't matter if it's an athletic team or a, a Greek organization or a student social group or, or any um, activity, you know, you're held, you're held to a high standard. And even if you're just a regular student here, you're held to a high standard. And if, as any college would has its its own rules against underage alcohol use or alcohol use in general, even if you are of legal drinking age, and if those get violated, then there's going to be an issue, and and that's what happened in in this case, and it was you know thoroughly investigated and and due process over a three week period, and that was the decision our our student judicial review board arrived at this morning. Just to quickly be specific, because I don't want this to go off the rails necessarily. It, this is obviously you have higher standards at the school about alcohol, and, and you clearly said that. Do we do should not read into this? And we've seen the Wheaton football case of, of a hazing incident. We've seen other schools with hazing problems. We shouldn't or should understand that that had something to do with this, or is that unrelated? I think it, I think it was just mostly misuse of alcohol. Okay, is 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 the an overindulgence of alcohol okay. would, 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 be, would be a fair characterization. Okay. Uh, you say it goes through the process. So this has kind of been building for a little bit of time. Right. It was brought to the attention of, of campus authorities about three weeks ago. 
we have an investigator in our through campus safety and and student life that investigates everything. Those reports then get sent uh, to student life, and if necessary, get referred to a student judicial review board, and then they determine whether there's a hearing. There was a lengthy hearing on Tuesday. Every player involved and everyone involved with the incident, you know, had a chance to to give their say and, and answer questions and, and give statements in regards to the incident. And then after that, the the, student, the judicial review board uh, gives its penalty. Uh, so clearly, uh, quickly moving. I assume the penalty then came out today. Yes, that was that was announced uh, about mid afternoon. Uh, and after the hearing on Tuesday, the the board met uh, yesterday and then again this morning to to finish. Uh, any penalties uh, in regards to this incident. Of course, the team played a game uh, at Lawrence um, Wednesday night in between all of that, uh, 166-21. Of course, the team is 5-3, and 3-0 in conference. You basically put an end to the, to the season f- in the middle, I should say. We won't restart until you play at Cornell. The women's team, I should say, doesn't restart until they play on the 27th. How does this affect the conference? Uh, as we said earlier, we did... We don't have anything officially uh, in addition to it from the conference. How does, though, your games then affect the conference? Do they go down as forfeits? Do they go down as non-plays? How does that affect things when SOS is part of this? This, this gets a little confused. Right. My, my understanding, well, obviously we're already ineligible for the conference tournament and the regular season title. Um, I, I'm guessing, or not really guessing, but... It looks like that at the end of the year we'll probably be zero and zero in conference play. The three games we've played already will turn into non-conference games. Interesting. The 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 games that we don't play are no plays, and then the games we play at the end would be non-conference games. Uh, and and it's mostly if you're unable to play a full conference schedule as a result of a situation within an institution's control then that's what makes you ineligible for the postseason or a championship. Now, let's say you got to the end of the year and there's a snowstorm and you couldn't travel to, say, Grinnell. Well, that's beyond your control, and if you couldn't play those games, that then that doesn't prevent you from participating in the postseason or, or winning a title. So okay. that that's the distinction but between the two on how you're ineligible for that or Right. Or or not. So technically, they're just going to make this a non-conference season because of the number of games you're missing, in in an effort to not make it an unfair situation for anybody else, and also not to get into any more confusing scenarios. Right. If if you just record those as forfeit wins, well, then you know there's teams getting wins by the luck of the schedule, and that's that's right. not fair to you know the teams we've played or are going to play on the back end. So. Okay. I think the Midwest Conference Executive Director and and the Executive Committee, um, they did their due diligence, and I think they came up with a fair result. Uh, Of course, this is a program, Dan, that that has certainly had control of the Midwest Conference. So this is a significant blow to not only the the conference in the sense that we're going to have something a little bit different at the end, but this is a blow to a pretty um, respectful uh, program. Well, it is, but I, you know, walking back over to my office after after a meeting today, I think you know this this will make us stronger. If everyone involved learns from this incident, mm-hmm. you know, do you get more out of that 
for the rest of your life than you would by playing 10 basketball games that you're going to miss here. Sure. And I, and I think, you know, anybody would know that the right answer to that. So, you know, I think, sure, you know, is this a bump in the road and, you know, and a kind of a tough pill to swallow a little bit, but, you know, there, there's consequences to actions. And, you know, if you learn, learn from it and grow from it and other people and other teams on our campus and other campuses learn from it and grow from it and know that misuse of substances is a serious thing, then, you know, I think 10, missing 10 basketball games is a small price to pay sure. for that. Yeah, well said indeed. One last question is, does this affect the academic standing of these individuals? Uh, no, okay. no, they're, they're still all in, in, in school. So, so that, it, it's just a, uh, just a, from, from an athletic standpoint, it's just one of several other penalties that, sure due to privacy laws I can't get into. And, and certainly not not trying to pry too deep. One other question is, when does this second semester officially start? The timing makes it seem like almost uh, they're part, practically sitting until the next semester begins. That, that's exactly how it was timed out. Okay. So they, when, when the second the spring semester starts, that, that's when they'll, they will start back up playing games again. But And it's important to note, you know, between now and then, they'll, they'll practice and still have other... Yep other functions between now and then and you know hopefully you know the team learns from it and it makes them stronger people and and going forward athletically as well so they will be allowed to practice yes okay Every, everyone involved will be allowed to practice and one last question they're supposed to be playing in a tournament at wilmington uh one of the games is chicago we obviously don't know who the second game would be i assume conversations were had uh, with those involved and how that affects them yeah, Tim Bald, our athletic director, I think I, I didn't get a chance. I knew he was going to try to call there. I, I assume he reached someone at Wilmington uh, today, um, and obviously everyone in our conference knows already. But, you know, it's a tough situation. Uh, hopefully they can work their schedule where everybody still gets two games there. It may yeah. require an extra day uh, to, to play to play a format that way, but um, that's just an unfortunate piece of this deal yeah. that it not only affects you know our students but others as well certainly well i really appreciate you taking the time dan to, to talk about this especially on such quick uh turnaround uh and i w normally we give our guests the final word i don't know if there's necessarily one you want to finish up on but i do appreciate you taking the time and and helping us understand the situation no you're welcome and dan lucas joining us again from st norbert and again, Dan Luke, uh, Lucas joining us here uh, just a short time ago before we went on air to discuss the situation at St. Norbert. Again, to clarify, it appears uh, the next 10 games we know are basically canceled. It appears the previous three games they played in conference will be changed from conference games to just regular season games, have no effect on the conference, and the games that they play when they come back will have no conference effect the bigger deal is how does this affect SOS? How will this affect um, results versus regionally ranked opponents for all of their opponents? Um, it will change some of the SOS equations in the Midwest Conference. We will see how that affects things in February. We're going to have to wait. Don't know if that's going to have a major effect, considering the race has usually been through the St. Norbert women's basketball program. Um, they were 15-3 and last year, 18-0 and the year before, 17-1. and Three years ago, this is a program that is synonymous with controlling the Midwest Conference, obviously. How that will affect things this year, who knows. Um, Lake Forest was off to a 3-1 and one start in the women's side. Knox, Cornell, and Rippon all 2-1. and one. Um, So we'll see. We'll see how this all affects. Of course, 
There's more to this. We will continue to follow it. Uh, I do want to say from what he said, um, I don't think this has a hazing element to it. I want to stress that because I don't want to mischaracterize what this might be about. But it sounds like this is not a hazing incident uh, per se. So that is good news. Um, we will continue to follow it. It sounds like it's just a bad decision with alcohol. And, of course, at a school like St. Norbert and others in Division Three, this is not a joke. <laughs> Plain and simple. It's not a joke. And so it sounds like it was a good night of fun on a campus, and the school has disciplined them for that. Some schools have stricter policies, and especially with underage drinking, than others. So um, enough players have been suspended by the Judiciary Committee at St. Norbert to warrant this decision uh, as a result of that. So there's just not enough players to play, and that's what we will we will keep an eye on. So St. Norbert will not be uh, in the NCAA tournament this year. We'll see how the Midwest Conference on the women's side plays out from there. We'll continue to follow this story, and if there's anything more, we will certainly bring it to you in the meantime. Uh, that Again, I, a thank you to uh, Dan Lucas for joining me. I do appreciate him taking the time to do that. So let's switch to the other news, and that's, you know, how's everything going in Division III? <laughs> um, results last night, we had our first one. I'll be, a, I'll, I'll be honest, I've been nervous. I've had Hanover pretty highly ranked. I like Hanover. I think they're a very good team, but I might have been a little bit too overzealous. Uh, I know I have them in my top ten. Um, and I kept hearing chirps from individuals um, in in Kentucky uh, who are gearing up for Wednesday's game. And wow, Transylvania took out Hanover at 95-81. And to be honest, it wasn't that close. It wasn't that close. The second team, third team kind of allowed Hanover back into that game. Transylvania gets one of the biggest wins we've seen in a little bit of time here. You know they're happy about it. Uh, at the same time, it's early in the season, so Coach Brian Lane might be happy about that victory. At the same time, he's going to be critical about his team. He did speak after it. We got some sound with him, and here's uh, some of what he thought with the win over the fifth-ranked uh, Hanover team. We, we came out and really set the tone early, and, and we're, we're very aggressive in our defense. Um, you know, to, to be able to, to get it to where we, we, in the first half, they made a couple runs at us, and we still were able to keep it out into, get, got it out into a double-digit lead in the first half, I thought was huge. Um, they're a very talented team, as everybody across the country knows. And um, our preparation for this game, we, we had to do some, some things a little differently uh, because of the, the White inside and, and McKinney. And, you know, those guys are just, uh, they're just such good players that we've got. I really like the, being able to get, have guys come off the bench and continue to, to kind of hit them with the next wave, hit them with the next wave. We've been very, very good offensively. And, uh, and they, they play well together and they play off of each other really well. How about Gabe Smith going six for nine and actually going down in this percentages? You know, you got a guy leading the nation in field goal, field, three point field goal percentage. That really opens some things up. I, I thought Kyle Gullett had a sensational game. Uh, the guys coming off the bench were, were really solid. Drew uh, in, inside. When we have the inside and the outside going, I think that that's what really helps free up those those guards. And we were concentrating on taking it to the uh, taking it in off the dribble, trying to get it get it into some gaps and and not just settle for outside shots. 
uh, we were able to get some, but taking it to the basket and creating creating some, and it also created some offensive rebounds. It was a big one because it's a conference conference game, and uh, we we needed to set that tone early. About I mean this team is really good. I mean I, I really really like what we've been able to do. Uh, the trip to the Dominican Republic at the beginning, getting those extra practices. Um, the last two games we we've, we've really stretched it out to big big leads and I. And, and we just didn't didn't bring it in uh, in the port, as as they say. But um, I I like the fact that those those key guys that are starting and coming right off the bench. I mean, they're they're getting us to where we we need to be. And and I love I love that those other guys. We we just got when we when we get them in there, we really need need to be able to sustain the same kind of uh, pressure defense, the same kind of up-tempo offense. Um, yes, I mean, it, it's a, probably a game that, that some people are going to look at and say, well, that was, that was a really good win for transit. I mean, it was <laughs> I mean, it was uh, that Once again, Brian Lane talking about their victory, Transylvania's that is over um, Hanover, the fifth-ranked team in the country. Uh, thank the Transylvania Sports Information Department uh, and Athletic Department for getting us that video. Hats off, Transylvania, a solid win. Again, it wasn't as close as the final score, 95-81. I tuned in and it was a 20-some-odd point. I watched a lot of that uh, late first half and most of the second half while announcing a game, and, and it wasn't close. So congratulations to Transylvania. Hanover will fall, certainly. I still think they're a, top, a darn good team. And, and is Transylvania as good as that Hanover win, or are they better than that? I, I don't know. Uh, are, they, are they only that win, or are they better than that? We'll see. We'll, we'll see as, as the season goes on. And again, another conference that's going to be fascinating to watch, the Heartland Collegiate Athletic Conference. That is the only loss in the top 25 last night. Tonight, Eastern Connecticut lost to WPI. Um, but that was the only loss in the top 25. Those receiving votes, it was a rougher night. North Central lost to Augustana. Bowden lost to St. Joseph's, and it wasn't close, 77-58. John Carroll got its first loss of the season, losing to Mount Union by four. Uh, a friend of mine who watches the show did, hasn't seemed to message me since that, interestingly enough. He was happy with John Carroll's start. I pointed out they hadn't played anybody. They played Mount Union and lost. So um, Wartburg uh, defeated Loris, so no surprise there. They're the ranked team. Uh, Virginia Wesleyan lost to Averett. We'll hear more about that in a moment. And Wheaton lost to Illinois Wesleyan, who's also receiving votes. So an interesting start. Quickly on the women's side, only one loss in the top 25 there as well. Puget Sound lost to Evergreen State, a non-Division three. It was close, 12 points. Uh, Puget Sound now 4-3, and three, of course, with an oddball start to the season with scheduling. Uh, Wheaton lost to Illinois Wesleyan. Both teams are pretty much in the same slot, uh, 27th and 28th in receiving votes. Uh, Carthage lost to North Central. In overtime, Widener or Albright lost to Widener. Albright's off to a really rough start in women's basketball, four and three, a little surprising. And Babson lost to ba uh, Brandeis, sixty nine fifty six. So that's on the women's side of things. By the way, back to Transylvania very quickly. They had a game on the women's side postponed this week, uh, playing Bluffton. Um, there was a, a car accident involving some of the players at Transylvania. The good news is nobody was injured, or at least significantly injured. They uh, the, the accident took place on game day. Uh, so they have postponed that game. My uh, thoughts out to the to the team. Hope the very best for them, and we're glad that nobody was injured severe enough, or and certainly worse than that. We're glad no none of that took place. Uh, so we got a lot crammed into the beginning. We got to get going. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get to our guests. Not that we haven't had a bunch already. We'll talk to Averett. 
The men's team off to a tremendous start. Remember last season, it was not a pretty start. It was a rough start for the Cougars. This is the polar opposite. Um, and if they have any hopes of being in the ODAC, this isn't the kind of start you want. The ODAC team has been Averett's favorite target. But the rest of the season is essentially conference action in the USA South. What does that all mean? Our head coach for men's basketball joins us uh, to discuss all of that. Plus, we still have Lake Forest men's basketball ahead of us. We have um, Wisconsin Lutheran, and we also have Austin. That's all ahead of us. You'll listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up to make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us to be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. The uh, YouTube show that we produce is also capable of taking comments. If you're able to, we'll, we'll take those as well. Um, but we'll And even on Facebook simulcast, we'll try and keep track of things in there as well, too. So I think we got it all covered. Got lots going on, and we hope you're enjoying the show. Lots going on, as we mentioned, because of the breaking news with St. Norbert women's basketball, but certainly plenty of other things. In the South region in men's basketball, I got asked on the boards the other day, um, or really got a general ask, answer question, and I answered it. 
Why isn't Averett getting any top 25 love? And my my basic comment back to, or really I should say, was Virginia Wesley, why aren't they getting any top 25 love? My basic answer was they didn't have much of a schedule to base it on. But someone did ask about Averett. My thought was, listen, off to a good start, certainly. Um, they're 5-0 and against the conference, which is nothing to, 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 to dismiss whatsoever. I should say against the ODAC, not in conference. They're starting conference play soon. They're one loss to Concordia, Texas. It's an oddball loss um, because they got easily handled, but they had easily beaten Hampton-Sydney prior to that. You had Hampton-Sydney, then beat Concordia, Texas. So it's one of those, what's going on here scenarios. And of course, Hampton-Sydney beat Emory last week, which completely had me confused. So it's one of those, what do we make of everything type deals? Well, Averett did go and beat Virginia Wesleyan on Wednesday night. And I think that's pretty significant. They're now off to a 5-1 and one start, but the rest of the way is all conference action, thanks to an ever-growing USA South. Who are these Cougars? This is probably the last chance we're going to get to really understand just how good they may or may not be until some of the conference games later in the season. So it gave us a good chance to maybe talk to David Dueno and, and find out exactly what are the Cougars. So he joined me earlier today to discuss his Averett squad. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it is the head coach of Averett, David Duino. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Hey, Dave, thanks for having me. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely appreciate it as well. And and obviously coming off of a, a win over your alma mater, Virginia Wesleyan, last night, as a voter, I'll be honest, I've been looking at you guys, and this week alone I said, okay, uh, they've got some good wins over Nodak that maybe is overrated. Uh, let's see what they do against Virginia Wesleyan. Well, you got the victory, so that actually answers some questions. How do you feel the season started? Uh, it's 5-1 and one says one thing. How does the coach say? Um, you know, I think we're, we're finding ways to win games. I like how we're competing. Uh, I, I think our guys are uh, understanding. I think we learned some lessons versus Concordia early, uh, and our guys adjusted. Uh, and uh, we, we're, we're competing the way we need to. We just need to clean up some details. But, uh, we have an unselfish group that really uh, is trying to work hard and cares about each other. And uh, I, I think – we're really leaning on that heavily right now, and hopefully if we can clean up the details, um, we can find a way to keep winning games. But we're going to need to do that moving forward. Yeah, talking about the uh, the craziness of a season not necessarily related to you. You guys get uh, smoked by a Concordia 91-68. You had beaten Hamden-Sydney four days beforehand. Hamden-Sydney then goes and beats Concordia, um, yeah. which just adds to the confusion. On a situation where, like a voter myself, is looking at your squad, you would be considered the ODAC killers at this point. You played all ODAC teams except for Concordia, and you are undefeated at 5-0. and If you were hoping to get invited into the ODAC, you may have just shot yourself uh, officially in the foot. <laughs> I don't think they want you anymore. But on that token, um, what is it about? Is this a sign that you guys are really kind of you know above what many expected maybe? Is this a sign that maybe we put too much stock in some ODAC teams? Is it a combination of both? Where would you put this if you were looking at it? Um, you know, I, I just look at it as a coach with my team. Um, we we want to play the best competition that we can. We know uh, that the ODAC, um, what, what, what they're considered as a, as a, as a league uh, and the type of coaches in that league and the tradition in that league. And we want to play those teams and, and the best competition that we can because we want to be battle-tested going into our league. Uh, so I think anytime you could find a way to, to, to go on the road, uh, especially four out of our five wins have been on the road uh, and, and be – 
a team like a Guilford or a Hampton Sydney or Virginia Wesley and Eastern Mennonite, uh, all these teams that uh, not only coach well but extremely talented, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I, I think we're trying to make a statement. Now you just got to understand that it's in the past and you got to keep doing the things that you're doing. But uh, as far as Bodak killers and stuff like that, I, I, we don't look at it like that. Uh, we want to try to schedule the best competition that we can. Uh, we want to go out there and compete against them and see where we are and hopefully, um, you know, learn lessons that gets us ready for conference play. Yeah, interesting enough, uh, as you said, you've played a lot of these games on the road, which meant you've seen a lot of the uh, the southern and, and western and, and southeastern back hills of, of Virginia because none of those are easy trips. Uh, none of them are on an interstate necessarily. So you've had to really kind of earn some miles, as it were. It, does that is that something that battle tests your team for later when you hit the the USA South Conference and, and you'll have some travel under your belt? Is that somewhat purpose driven, um, or is, uh, are you always whisk, risking that you're going to wear your team out a little bit from the travel lag? Um, you know, with our travel in conference, you know, I, I think that. It helps us early in the year to be able to go on the road, you know, take a bus trip three hours maybe, and, and then, you know, perform and come back. You know, some of these trips that we're taking later in the year are seven, eight hours away, and then we got to travel another two hours for the next day uh, to play again. So um, we only have two of those big trips, uh, two different weekends later in the year, but we do think that helps us get ready for conference and being able to make a trip and stay focused and have that business-like mentality uh, that we're going to need uh, when, we, when we make those types of trips. But it's also for us, um, you know, we want, like I said, we want to schedule the best competition that we can. And if that means we have to go to a Virginia Wesleyan on a Wednesday night, we're, we're going to try to go there and, and schedule those people. And uh, our goal is to get our program uh, in the top 25 and nationally in it every year. We want to try to be consistent with what we do, but the only way we feel we could do that is to play these types of teams and go and, and see where we like, uh, where we are. You know, last year at this point, I think we were one and six. So, yeah, yeah. uh, you know, it has its ups and downs from year to year, but I also think this young group that we had last year learned from it. And now hopefully it's helping them this year grow into better players and uh, stronger mentalities as well. So uh, that's a lot of kind of how our program sees scheduling as, um, you know, and what we do. Yeah. I mean, you lost 11 of your first 14 games of the season. I mean, it would talk and then the rest of the way won, uh I think you won, obviously you only lost a handful of games after that uh, to finish the season. How how much does last year play into this year? How much are these guys going? Okay, listen, we went through our lumps last season. It's now making us better. And how much does is it buoyed by by going off and starting the way you have now? Uh, yeah, I think a lot plays into it. Especially you know a lot of those guys that played for us last year were freshmen. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know now that they see like this is the competition that we're playing. This is what our league looks like every night. Like last year, our league from first to eighth place. Uh, in the tournament with a two-game separation. Uh, they could have had three teams that died for first place. So um, I, I think they they under, they under got to understand that really late in the season, and we had great leadership with Charles Bryant last year and James Contreras, but um, that, that st stuck to that business-like mentality even when times were tough. 
and they've learned from that. I do think that's helped mold them uh, into the type of mentality they have right now and how we're trying to approach every day and trying to control the things that we can control, and that's one day at a time. So I do think it plays a part in it. The first couple of games that you won, Hamden Sydney, you won by 34. Uh, Guilford, you won uh, easily 82 69. You beat Lynchburg, though, by eight. Eastern Monday night by three. Virginia Wesleyan last night by four. Things have gotten a little bit tighter, as one would expect as the season has progressed. Everybody's scouting each other. But yeah. is that also helping the program kind of understand it's not a cakewalk? Uh, absolutely, and we are. And Sydney was only a fourteen-point game. I, I, I don't know if he maybe what I think he said thirty or something like that. I can't do math, I Coach. I, I my yeah, brain's fried. You're right. It was a fourteen-point game. I just can't do math. Um, but uh, no, you're good. I just wanted to, you know, you're coaches, you know, we got. Oh yeah, everything. I'm with you. Uh, but uh, yeah, you, you know, and, and that's what, that's part of us. You know, we talk about being battle tested. You know, we're, every night in our conference, when you step on the floor, you got to be ready to go. Anybody could beat anyone. So, um, you know, being in those tight situations and being in those game situations, like last night. Uh, ball in our hands, uh, a two-point game, a minute 25 left, and we turn the ball over. Like That's something that hopefully we could learn from and come back in the future and not make that mistake and maybe have a chance to give us a little bit more room in that situation instead of having to get that key stop and a key rebound uh, right there and then. you know. So hopefully those types of things get us ready for this conference play, That uh, and we're going to need to to learn from those situations and adjust moving moving into the conference play on Saturday. I was going to say, technically you start conference play on Saturday and you don't do anything but play conference opponents the rest of the way. Um, yeah. Pfeiffer is new, so technically conference, not conference kind of game, uh, but you'll have to play him twice. Um, yep. And then obviously the same with uh, Brevard uh, and others. I mean, this conference has gotten huge, uh, and it's leaving a little bit less wiggle room to some degree. How hard is this grind going to be, considering it starts Saturday, and that's all you do the rest of the season? Yeah, it, it is. Uh, you know, nineteen league games is it's a big number. It, it is, and uh, you know, the, the travel on top of it at times could be wearing. You know, wears on could wear on a team, and uh, you know, it, like I said, we can only control what we control. That that's what our schedule is. Um, you know, we're going to worry about Pfeiffer on Saturday and, and get to work here today and tomorrow and, and, and control what we can control. But uh, it is a big schedule, uh, you know, and it, it, it's tough because there's so many good teams in our league and, and, and they're well coached. And, you know, you got all these teams fighting for one spot at the end of the day to get into the tournament. It's just uh, it's brutal. It's brutal, and and, and that's why we want to be battle tested going into it because you got to be mentally strong and you got to be able to fight through tough situations uh, each and every night. So uh, it, it's tough, but it is what it is. And like I said, we can only control what we control. They're on the schedule, and we gotta we gotta go and play them. The conference is, as we said, getting pretty large. Is I mean, is there some point where you as coaches are all talking like you know how how big is too big? Uh, it seems to be a catch-all right now down in that southeast. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think there's always concern for you know being able to schedule you know what you know non-conference opponents that you want to schedule. You want to make sure that you know the travel. Like, like if we were to add one or two more, and it's another six, seven-hour trip away. Like, 
at what point do we need to really um, look at the size of this and see, you know, what exactly direction we need to go? It's all it's an ongoing conversation with the coaches. Sure. But um, like I said, right now it is what it is, and um, you know, I think everyone's just focused on going out there and competing. I think we have a great group of coaches, and everyone, you know. We like each other and we get along. We like competing against each other, but it is a big number and, you know, we just got to deal with it right now and hopefully uh, in the future be able to figure some things out as far as travel and things like that. Switch over to your team here, led by a sophomore in James Contreras Jr., 18.5-plus points a game, 4.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists a game, shoots pretty well. You got a senior and one of two that are playing, uh, Darren Kettner at eleven point three points a game, nine and a half points from uh, Monte Cash, who is a freshman. So you kind of show that youth a little bit there, kind of a mixture of this team. There's a lot of guys contributing in a lot of different places. Uh, absolutely, you know that's one of the things that uh, when when I first got here, we really wanted to build. Um, this program with depth and, and have multiple guys that we could throw in there uh, and, and be able to rotate the 10, 11 guys if we needed to, to keep our guys fresh and play the style that we want to play defensively. Um, and we've been able to bring in those type of classes, some big classes over the last couple of years. And uh, we got guys in every class level contributing, you know, we got Montre and, and Raymond Bullock as freshmen. Uh, we got Ian Bess, uh, Tim Henry, Mariba Diaby, TJ McAllister, a uh, bunch of sophomores and juniors, Austin DeLucia. Um, and then we got our seniors, James uh, and Darren, that are leading the way for us. So, um, you know, it's exciting to see that, you know, we got con- uh, people at every level and every class contributing right now. And uh, our leadership by our seniors are really important. They're they're in the gym every day working and leading these guys and in their ears and practice, building them up. But uh, it, it's a fun time right now, and hopefully this depth uh, will benefit us moving forward as, as this league, as we talk about the depth of this league and the travel, hopefully those lit fresh legs and able to play like that uh, benefits us moving forward and as we get deeper into league play. Yeah, speaking of the league, North Carolina Wesleyan, Pfeiffer, Methodist, Greensboro, Fairman, William Peace are on your side of things, and you'll certainly play the other side. Huntington, for example, is the furthest one away, but you've got other pretty solid ones on the other side of the conference. How do you expect conference play to shake out this season? You know, I, I, as it does every year, for you know, it, it's it's – Really, whoever could just get it going consistently in this league. It's been up and down. It's been um, anyone's night, you know, depending on who shows up. But, uh, you know, like I said, last year was a two-game two difference from first to eighth place and, like, a four-game difference from first to tenth place. So you, you got to be ready to play. But there's, you know, Methodist returns, a bunch of upperclassmen. Maryville has a bunch of upperclassmen. Um, NC Wesleyan has all starters back. Uh, so, you know, we got to be ready to go. LaGrange has represented us in the NCAA tournament, I think, you know, four out of the last five years, it feels, I, I believe. So uh, you got to be ready to go every single night. And uh, that's just the grind of our league. And that's what makes it fun. And, you know, it's really competitive. And um, there's a lot of real good rivalries that it, it makes it a lot of fun to be a part of. Interesting coaching staff. You have David uh, Greganis, who was a uh, standout at North Carolina Wesleyan, and then you have D.J. Woodmore, who certainly was a standout at Virginia Wesleyan. 
your alma mater. You've got some very talented players, former players there, who are coaches who've had some good coaching experiences so far. What do they bring to the table for you? Uh, those guys are uh, the backbone of what we do, to be honest with you. It's unbelievable. They, uh, the relationship, the loan that they have with our guys on and off the floor is, is unbelievable. They're like big brothers to the, to the guys in our program. Uh, and then just to have their knowledge and playing experience, you know, Dave won uh, uh, several championships as part of teams at NC Wesleyan, was a great leader his junior and senior year. Uh, for us when I was with Coach Thompson there. And then DJ, I mean, he's one of the best guards i ever seen at this level, to be honest with you, and uh, his playing experience overseas. Just to have that type of D3 knowledge and understanding of how we try to do things and, and uh, what we want our program to look like uh, and for them to be loyal to what I want them you know, to preach to our guys, they, they are outstanding. And uh, we wouldn't be off to this type of start without those two guys. I could tell you that. Uh, they are definitely uh, two guys that in the future are going to be possibly talking to you on this phone one day or <laughs> at, a different, at a different level coaching because they're both fantastic at what they do. We talked about it a couple of years ago, coming off fresh off the win last night. It's probably worth you know, bringing up again. You know, It's got to be a little bittersweet to be – taking on your alma mater and Coach Macedo uh, almost every season, I think it is, for you guys. And to get the victory, it, it's got to be good because you want the victory, of course, back at the place you played. But at the same time, it's got to be a little bittersweet. It's your alma mater. Uh, absolutely. You know, Coach Macedo, um, for one, is uh, a mentor to me, an older brother type figure to me. Uh, I was his first recruit there. Um, when he first got the job and then he hired me as soon as I graduated and I was with him for three years. Uh, and, and our relationship is something is something that I value a lot. And, uh, you know, I was excited for our guys because I know going in there and how hard it is to win there and the start that we got off to, that we got eight to one early. And I've seen teams get off to that start there. I've been in that building and seen them roll teams early like that. And then to be up late and then make that type of run that they did the last three minutes. And I've been in that situation before uh, as well in that gym. And they usually pull those types of games out to see our guys stick with it and, and, and find a way to win that game. I was really happy and proud for our guys, but at the same time still had that. There's just a little bittersweet feeling for coach. <laughs> I knew how he was. I know. You know, he's a competitor and how he was feeling at the moment. And, uh, you know, I, those nights that we go against each other, we know that, you know, we want to win those games. But on other nights, we're cheering for each other and, and always uh, have that type of relationship. So um, it is a little bittersweet, but it is nice to go back because I know what type of program and how he does things and the respect that I have for him. Sure. Uh, to find a win there is really uh you know, a good step for our program. Yeah, it certainly helps to start 5-1, and one too, as you said, taking that step for the program. Uh, Cougars off to a great start. Got Pfeiffer coming up. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I know you're neck deep now pretty much in, in preparing for conference action, so I appreciate you finding time to chat with us. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who are tuning in? No, I just thank you, Dave. You know, I've been—we always been following you. I've been part of D three now for uh, going on eighteen years since I've been a player in two thousand, and uh, the coverage that you guys give us uh, is fantastic. And just appreciate everything you guys do up there. Well, thank you, Coach. Take care of yourself. Safe travels in the conference, and happy holidays. 
Same to you, Dave. Appreciate it. Thank you. Coach David Duino taking uh, the Cougars to a 5-1 and one start. As we said, conference play unofficially, officially, however you want to say, starts on Saturday against Pfeiffer. Coach Duino, appreciate his time. As that was earlier this today, we talked to him about the Cougars. Again, Pfeiffer coming up. It's in conference, but it's not conference. Pfeiffer is transferring into Division Three, as it were. So they'll play two against Pfeiffer and one against um, Brevard, uh, Brevard. I can never say that one right. We're, we have time to work on it. Those three games technically won't count, um, but the rest do. A lot of conference games. USA South's pretty big. I wonder if that's going to be a talking point in the future if it isn't already about what is the best way to handle the USA South in the future. But hats off to Averitt. Good start to the season. Going to take another break. When we come back, we will talk to another team. Certainly playing pretty well. Lake Forest out of the Midwest Conference. How exactly do we kind of chalk that one up and what do what to make of the Midwest Conference? You listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, coming to you from the WBCA and ABC studios presented by D3Hoops.com. If you've got questions for us, email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. You can also tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. We're on Instagram at D3Hoopsville as well, uh, though we don't check that during the show. And you can try and message us on um, Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, or on the YouTube page. We'll try and keep track of that as well. Quickly, a recap of our breaking news from earlier tonight. St. Norbert women's basketball has uh, basically parked uh, their um, team for 10 games. Uh, enough players were suspended by the Student Judiciary Council for an alcohol-related incident that they don't have enough player, uh, team, um, members of the team to play games. So those players will be parked until the start of the second semester, which means they are done for 10 games and will not start replaying uh, again until the 27th of January that will take place or uh, that ends up with 10 games they can practice during that time uh, that includes two games at a tournament in Ohio that includes Chicago not sure how that will affect that tournament we'll certainly keep an eye on that we bring that up because it is part of the Midwest Conference where the women's games now for St. Norbert 
The previous three conference games will apparently be switched to non-conference games. Obviously, they will then have 10 games that are basically canceled that they will not play. And then the other games, um, the final games, will be played in a non-conference. One other factor we did not talk about is how will this affect those teams that may lose two games out of this deal in the Midwest Conference, essentially finishing the season with 23 games. Remember, the Midwest Conference now back uh, up to the 25 max. That has a significant effect on things. I'm not sure how that will uh, be played out. Sometimes there's an exception and teams can go find another opponent and put them onto their schedule if they need to. I'm not sure. We'll keep an eye on that as well to see if anybody replaces those opponents. Um, speaking, but that segues us into the Midwest Conference on the men's side. Uh, one of the teams that everyone's talking about is the Lake Forest Foresters off to a 7-1 start. There are a couple of people who are voting on them in the top 25, including myself. They got a win over Grinnell, 104-91. The score is not surprising. It's just a solid victory. Just came off a win over at Illinois College last night, 79-62. Their lone loss at the beginning of the season to what appears to be a pretty good Laura squad themselves, 84-81 was the loss for Lake Forest. So what do we make of this squad? Are they as good as as uh, they appear to be? Could the Foresters make, along with some other teams, Midwest Conference a little bit more interesting this season? Uh, their head coach, Ken Davis, joined me earlier. Now joining me on the Hoopsville Hotline, it is Ken Davis, the head coach of the Lake Forest Foresters. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Oh, please. You're welcome, Dave. I appreciate you having me on. Uh Terrific start to the season, to be blunt. Uh, a team that's hovered around 500 for the last three years. Uh, it's been a while since we've seen a 20-win team uh, from this program, but usually a program that's in the middle of the Midwest Conference. You guys are off to a 7-1 and start with your lone loss being a close one at the start of the season. Dolores, you got to be thrilled with how this season has begun. Yeah, I think the guys have, uh, have done a good job. I think uh, we've had really nice uh, senior leadership. Um, with two young men that now have been a part of our program. And I think the guys left off last year a little hunger for more. We lost in our uh, conference championship tournament game, and um, I don't think they were satisfied. So, yes, we've been, we've been very pleased so far. When you you have won nine Division three, by the way, a game in there where you played Great Lakes Christian and won that easily. But you played Carthage, who everyone thinks is a pretty tough team in the CCIW this year. You beat Chicago who's you know, coming out of the UAA automatically everyone thinks is tough. They're probably going to be finishing in the middle of the top tier of that conference. You've got wins over Grinnell, a tinkered team uh, from what we're used to in a high-scoring affair, and you're coming off a pretty nice win over Illinois College. Is there a point where this team is maybe playing a, a, either above expectations or are they playing in a way that you want them to, but now you're just making sure they don't peak? <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, you know, you know, coach speak, as you know, we, yeah. we want to be playing our best basketball at the end of the year. And I yeah. think, I think there's still a lot more um, for us to work on and improve. I think the biggest thing right now, I think our guys are, are starting to do a nice job on the defensive end and, and making adjustments to people um, as we go on and, and really focusing on the things that, you know, as a group, that we, we talk about. And so, um, you know, it's it's one of those things that, like I said, I didn't ever want to put a ceiling on where they can get, and I still don't. But um, you know, I've I've liked some of the things that we showed so far. Uh, this is a relatively young team as well. You've got two seniors, Orlando Brown and Eric Porter, but the rest, you know, number of juniors, number of sophomores, number of freshmen. So young and kind of diverse in that sense of how many uh, class you have. But you're not that I'd ever want to say we're looking towards next year. But the way this team is built, this isn't a one-year or early-season thing. 
Yeah, we hope not. Um, we, we, you know, think now we've established, you know, that to culture. Um, and I think now our guys go in expecting, you know, to win. Um, I think which was a, a big thing for us, you know, getting over the hump uh, with certain things. And uh, right now, like I said, I, I think we're, we're trying to build something as a program that can be sustained over time. Of course, the two seniors are in the top three in scoring. Eric Porter, 21.3 points a game, two and a half rebounds, two assists, uh, nearly two steals a game while shooting 51.5% from the floor and 49% from deep. Uh, the junior Danny Sotos, 15.5 points a game. Orlando Brown, a senior, 9.3 points a game. Those two, last two, Sotos and Brown, also averaging six uh, rebounds a game. I'm going to get to one other player in a moment because one of his stats jump out at me, but that core three certainly playing well and obviously you have two seniors there so they're going to have to kind of teach the younger guys a little bit of how to step into their roles yes definitely and uh, i think they've done a good job the work ethic of those guys that you mentioned are really such that they they lead by example on and off the court and they're very very mature i'd throw in also um a young man jordan moran that's also in that junior class and um also one of those guys that just uh, you can really count on from a maturity point. And those are guys that, you know, they just do the right things in the classroom uh, and on the court. And uh, they really have led by example, which is, has been terrific for us. Yeah, you add Brown, eight and a half points a game. He's another guy with six-plus rebounds a game. All three of those guys, Sotos, Brown, and Moran, all shoot better than 50% from the floor. Actually, all five of your starters shoot better than 50% from the floor. But Sean Espinoza is a freshman who is starting for you. He is averaging a shade under seven assists a game while pouring in eight and a half points and grabbing um, two and a half rebounds. But seven assists a game, that's an astronomical number, and we're past the point that it's only a handful of games. Yeah, Sean's done a good job. Um, he's one of those guys that uh, has really adjusted to you know the college level. It took him, I think, a little time. Um, early on, and uh, I think he's he's one of those people that uh, he's a you know he's a basketball gym rat. He really uh, he works hard. He had played at a very high level as far as high school wise, and played for a very good program and um, with his club team as well. So I feel uh, we were very fortunate to get him, and he was probably you know a little bit under recruited. And uh, now he's done a terrific job for us. You enter an interesting dynamic now. You started the season seven and one. The first eight games being, you know, taking place in the first three weeks of the season, but you're now on a ten day layoff, most likely due to exams, until you'll take on North Park at home on the sixteenth. Then you'll take your holiday break, and then play in a in a tournament uh, between the two between Christmas and New Year's before you get back into conference play. So now you're in this really challenging part of the season where you got to keep these guys at the level they were at, at seven and one. But while playing three games in the next three weeks, how how do you keep them focused? Obviously, we have academics, and that's important, and and the time off is important. But how do you keep at the level you were at right now? Yeah, I think that's something you know. As a group, we we've talked about as a staff, we've definitely addressed that. Um, and like you say, just as far as where everything falls, it's definitely a different kind of uh, dynamic. I think with our guys right now, they're trying to set a standard. And they really, uh, they really understand that. Um, three challenging opponents for us. Um, but at the same point, I think right now our guys are, are hungry. I think they want more 
Um, and, and really, it's one of those things to me. The big thing is just uh, a conditioning perspective. And I think they'll do the right things. I really do. I think, like I said, the leadership's been very good. And they're mature enough to pass it along to the young guys. And we mentioned the two games coming up between the holidays. Uh, you'll play at Roosevelt, and you'll play Roosevelt and St. Francis of Illinois, all uh, both of them non-Division threes. It's an interesting dynamic at this point in the season. You know, beginning of the year, I think we're used to it, especially teams in the Northwest or, or Calvin and Hope certainly throw those games in against local ones. You're throwing it in the middle of the season. So you have two dynamics. One, the games technically just won't count. And we, and yes, they're going to be on your record, but when we talk about at-large or seeding or anything like that, they aren't necessarily going to come into play. But they're also right, bef- they're, they're right after a break and right before you get back into conference play. I never would say you wouldn't take those games seriously, but I can understand why you wouldn't necessarily need to, except you're about to get back into the real part of your schedule. How do you how do you tackle a tournament like that? Yeah, I think for us right now, um, it's one of those things that, like you say, we want to maintain a rhythm. We want to maintain a mentality. So we're definitely going to take those as, you know, as any other non-conference game that, that we have in our schedule. It'll be a, a nice challenge for us, some different teams. Um, I think it's, it's one of those things, like you say, with finals and then break. Um, we're not going to have an enormous time to game prep, but we'll definitely be ready for those. And I think our guys understand that it's all about a, a level of, to continue to improve. And um, that's how we're going to address those games and go after. Is it more of internalizing the games instead? You know, more like, you know, exhibitions and scrimmages and preseason where you go out there and you're, you're going to execute X, Y, and Z. It really doesn't matter how the game is progressing. Yes, you want to adjust and, and make sure you learn how to adjust, but it's all about you necessarily. It's not necessarily about the opponent. Yeah, I think there's definitely, you know, a combination. Obviously, for us, you know, we're going to treat it as any other game, and we're going to go through a, uh, you know, a detailed scout. Um, it's one of those things that I think, our guys, as they continue to get used to that and, and game prep, we, we're going to have the same routine. Uh, we're not going to change anything. So, yes, I think at the end of the day, you know, it is definitely about us, but we're not going to go in there just blind and, uh, you know, throw the balls out and, and go ahead. We're definitely gonna, <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, That's we're a little harder. Take those <laughs> yes, yes, especially for us at this point. So, and then you'll get into um, – go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I think our guys – I think our guys will – like I said, they'll be mature about it. They really will. And then you get into the the conference schedule, and I think for the first time in a while, the Midwest Conference at the top feels a little bit more wide open. St. Norbert has dominated this conference, for, the, for lack of better description, for quite a while. And it's not that they're still not good. They are. But looking at the conference as we speak, you're seven and one overall, four and zero oh in the conference. St. Norbert six and one and three and zero. Oh. Monmouth six and two and three and zero. Oh. Lawrence is five and one, two and one. Grinnell six and two. Yet they're one and two, and and even Cornell seems to be in the mix. And I realize it's early on, and not everybody has played some behemoths of a schedule, but it really feels early on that this Midwest Conference might be a bit of a fight this season. I think our conference this year is you know as strong as it's ever been. I think out of league, um, you know, teams performed and uh, kind of met expectations. Um, definitely in my mind. You know, being very frank, I think our league, you know, right now still continues to go through St. Norbert. Like you said, I sure. think um, 2012, I believe, our group um, was able to capture the regular season uh, league. And uh, But I still think, you know, Gary's established um, 
just like you say, some of the things that we talk about, just a winning culture, and his, his guys understand that. So I think still that you know they're at the point where um, they're kind of the gold standard of our league, and uh, we've got to be at that point along with the others where we're trying to match that. And I think it's been, you know, in the long run, I think it's, you know, as coaches, as players, everyone's competitive. I think it's been a part of us, like I say, improving our league. So, um, you know, hopefully our guys will be able to, continue the journey like you say our, our first game back after we got to make sure that uh you know we take care of business and uh you know i'm looking forward to things like i say on a daily basis talking to ken davis head coach of lake forest off to a 7-1 start and 4-0 in midwest conference play coach how much has being able to play 25 games now on the schedule uh helped you is, is that one game difference actually made a difference as it were how much has the changes in the conference maybe uh, allowed a little bit more flexibility? Yeah, I think it's a you know something that uh, is, is all ten schools. I think it's uh, terrific for us. I think it's going to enable us, you know, to be in that realm where teams are now considered for for at large bids. I think you know teams have scheduled accordingly um, when you look at who people are playing. Um, and I think, you know, all in all, it's something that uh, definitely I think has been a positive for our league. Just allows us to play some different teams, like you said, that we weren't always accustomed to. So there, there's been, to me, no negative. By looking at uh, the conference, Grinnell seems to have adjusted things. Arsenal Jr. in charge of the program, essentially. And it seems like he's adjusted the quote-unquote system. However, you still had to put up 104 points. To put them away, do you see any adjustment on their end? Do you see a change, and how do you think that's going to impact things? Yeah, I think they're you know they're obviously one of those programs that's here to stay. I think there's a terrific continuity, and I think um, I think David Junior, you know, he, he obviously does a does a really nice job. So uh, it's one of those things, like you say, they they know who they are, they know their program, they play to to their strengths. So um, it's always you know, going to be a challenge in our league just because of the style of play and some of the differences. And, uh, you know, they're they're not going anywhere. Sure. So, you know, always been impressed with what they do. Obviously, you've had to adjust to their style. Did you see their style being a little bit different this time? Um, you know, there's little things that they tinker with and change, and I think they continue to, you know, season after season mm-hmm. um, and make adjustments, like you say, as far as what they, what they do. And I, I, I'm sure they'll continue to. Yeah, it's just fascinating uh, with the junior in charge now, how much things may or may not adjust uh, with his yes. experience of coaching uh, that Absolutely. he's had. And speaking of experience Absolutely. of coaching, you don't exactly have the prototypical coaching um, uh, travel log, as it were. Graduated from Arizona State, and uh, you had a broadcasting degree with a political science background, and you decided to go into the Chicago Board of Trade as a futures trader. Um, you got your master's degree. Everything looked like you'd be one of those kinds of guys where you go in every day and fight, you know, fight for the futures and and make some money. And then you got called to, to coaching, and so now you went into high school and now college. That, that's not. I mean, I'm all about the non-prototypical travel through life, but you definitely have taken a road less traveledness in some degree. Yeah, it's been a it's been a fun journey for me. It's been a, a great experience. I think. Uh, you know, coming out of college, um, working at the Board of Trade, it was one of those things as a young kid. Um, I had some coaches that were uh, in that profession. I always really looked up to them, and I had gotten started working in the summers, and it was something that, 
you know, in the back of my mind, I really always wanted to do. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely um, had a plan. I, I really knew that I wanted to somehow get back into coaching and education and, uh, you know, and kind of serve. And I think it's uh, it's been fun. I had two, in my mind, terrific mentors. Um, one, Coach Pappas, uh, Steve Pappas, was a legendary mm-hmm. high school coach, and I got an opportunity to work with him. And then uh, my predecessor here, uh, Chris Conger, Mm-hmm. Um, did a terrific job, and uh, and both those two really, uh, I think, taught me a great deal and taught things uh, the right way. And so, uh, you know, it's been a good experience. Um, you in this climate nowadays, do you do you wish you could had been in, stayed in your broadcasting political science background? Or are you kind of glad you didn't go down that road? Um, I would say I'm I'm very very happy with the decision I made. <laughs> I had a feeling. Yes, I had a feeling, yes. sir. Yeah, yeah, that was yes. my gut feeling. Though, you, yeah, this see. this climate right now, this is uh, a lot more enjoyable. That would have been funny to see Ken Davis. Not that we would have known any better, either on uh, Fox, MSNBC, or CNN, whatever the case may be, <laughs> being a political expert and broadcaster. It'd have been yeah, that's a different road, and I'm kind of glad we were talking to you here on Hoopsville instead. <laughs> yes, I am too. By the way, and it's interesting. I have uh, I have two sons and a daughter, and one of my sons was a a political science major as well. So oh. um, he's got the coaching bug too. So <laughs> I'm, hoping, yeah, I'm hoping he stays away and stays in this. Maybe more and more political science majors are really just trying to find a way into coaching and they understand that even in coaching, there's some politics. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Well, coach, I appreciate you taking the time to talk about the team, the conference and yourself. Certainly a terrific start. I'm voting for uh, Lake Forest. Uh, you've gotten my, mine are four of the seven points you're getting. You can either be fair or unfair to yourself, whatever you want to do here. But is that the right vote? Is voting for you in the top 25 the right thing for this program? You know, you just talked to me about the political aspects of things. <laughs> Yo, I, I set you up. negotiating right now. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think right now, I think, um, you know, I think we played a very good schedule. I think uh, our guys have, have done a good job. Um, I want to believe in my mind that, you know, we're one of those teams that, that can compete with anyone. You know, I've seen some of the results of the teams that we played and who they've beaten and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, I think you have a good vote. But at the end of the day, as you said, I want to make sure we have your vote when the uh, when the year ends. Sure. And that's the one that's going to be most important to us. Yeah, I can understand that entirely. Well, congratulations, like I said, to the terrific start. Appreciate you taking the time. We have a tradition on the show. We always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Um, no, I just appreciate Dave for you having me and uh, for the things that you guys do for uh, for Division Three basketball. I think the exposure level that you guys create for the men's and women's is uh, is terrific, and it gives a platform for those student athletes that uh, that really are you know very passionate about what they do. So just thanks to you and, and everyone there, and uh, and I appreciate it. Absolutely, thank you for taking the time. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll look forward to keeping track of the Foresters. Thanks very much. Absolutely. Once again, Ken Davis from Lake Forest joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Thanks to Coach Davis for joining us and talking. <laughs> Different career if he hadn't gone down the coaching realm, is it not? Uh, so thanks to him for taking the time. Uh, Midwest Conference could be one of those fascinating conference races. That being said, I'm starting to name a lot of interesting conference races this year. I think the UAA is going to be fascinating. Midwest, CCIW, uh, OAC, NCAC. Uh, NESCAC, uh, we can name almost half of them right off the top of our head. They're going to be fascinating to watch this year. I look forward to it. 
And thanks again to Coach Davis for joining us. Going to take our, oh, by the way, quick note, they will take on North Park coming up on December 16th, so a week and a half away. Uh, then they take on Roosevelt and St. Francis, and then they get into conference play January 3rd against Monmouth and go the rest of the way in conference. Going to take a break. When we come back, we'll switch gears, talk women's basketball, and we will talk specifically, we'll head a little north uh, into Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Lutheran, and talk to the Warriors head coach for the women's program there. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division Three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How wouldn't change it for the world? And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. You can join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. All the usual ways to get in a hold of us. We certainly hope you'll take the time to do that. We love interacting with our fans and want to hear from you. We're also simulcasting on Facebook um, and et cetera, et cetera. Lots of ways to get a hold of us. Um, of course, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA. NABC Studios. So we're going to switch gears, talk some women's basketball now, staying in the central region, slide up the coast, as it were. <laughs> Lake Michigan coast. Inside joke. Um, talking Wisconsin Lutheran uh, Warriors women's basketball. Off to a 5-1 and one start. Their one loss to DePaul at the beginning of the season. They beat Wash U, which you might find a little bit of a theme here this evening. 
um, have beaten Brock, uh, Rockford, Elmers, Dominican, and Lakeland to get off into conference play at a 3-0 clip. They've got Alverno coming up this weekend, um, and obviously the rest of the conference slate as well. And getting some top 25 attention. We usually talk to the Warriors a little later in the season, so I thought it might be interesting to talk to their, when we do, talk to their head coach about his squad here this evening. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of the Wisconsin Lutheran Warriors, Coach Knupel, Clay Knupel. Coach, thanks for taking the time, and uh, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on tonight. Absolutely. Appreciate, as I said, taking the time. I know you're under the weather, so it means even more to us. <laughs> yeah, I've been yelling a little bit too much, I guess, or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what the team would say. Absolutely, yes, that's are. that's what the team would say. They'd be they'd be one hundred percent in agreement uh, that you have been talking too much to them uh, in a very negative manner. Uh, <laughs> um, so first and foremost, uh, obviously a good start to this season. This is what I know you'd you'd want in this case. Uh, the loss to DePaul is one thing, but a thirteen point win over WashU, no matter who that WashU team is is certainly important. Um, is it the same read from your point of view, though, that we're seeing it from? Yeah, I, I thought, you know, our tournament, our opening tournament, just a, a great group of teams. And, you know, I always try to get my, my dad's tournament, Paul's Knipple Classic, I try to get the best teams I can in there. And, and just thought that that was a great, great start for us, um, you know, to play to paw. And, and we played them tough. And, you know, we just couldn't battle that one out, but then to turn around and play Wash U and um, just the way we played them, uh, it was great for us, you know, obviously with um, the changing in the head coach at Wash U, but also, you know, they're still a really, really good team, really yeah. great program, and, and to go out there and, and uh, be able to beat them and, and control the game. I, I thought we controlled the game the whole, the whole time, so that was great for our program and great for our kids. Yeah, I agree with you. It, it, it's still impressive, to say the least, uh, that you get that win. A, a change in coach is, is nice, but it doesn't mean it, it makes or breaks necessarily uh, the, the the outcome. And it got you rolling. It got you in a conference play with a, a, an easy win over Rockford. You got a non-conference win over Elmers, as we mentioned, and then Dominican and Lakeland. You're getting some top 25 attention as a result of that. That certainly, I know, means a lot to the program. It means a lot to the players. Um, it, it, it feels like, at this point, you've gotten the best start you possibly could have asked for except maybe the win also over DePaul yeah I, I think so I think so I mean I, I thought uh, going in you know probably about I don't know a month and a half ago <laughs> well everybody was asking how we could schedule the pawn wash you and, <laughs> and I thought I was a little nuts at that point uh, <laughs> you know just just trying to see where we were at with our team and and uh, you know how we were going to compete, and, and you know we started running a little bit of a different offense this year, just trying to get our team to be a little bit better. Um, you know, didn't feel comfortable with what we were doing a little bit last year, and we scrimmaged Wheaton uh, before the season, which is great for us. That that's we, with Kent on at, at Wheaton, we just had a great relationship and scrimmaging them every year, and uh, that helped us, I think, get ready for our season and get ready for for the teams that we played and. Um, you know, it, it was a good start for us. Really, really uh, uh, happy with where we're at right now and where we're progressing. One thing you said, you talk about the new offense, and I certainly am not going to ever ask a coach to give us the X's and O's because he knows other people are listening. Um, but I am curious about something because when I look at your stats, you're playing six players more than half the game, and only a handful of players are coming in and getting any 
not even double digits in, in minutes, it seems like you have a relatively short bench. Again, a couple of players are coming in to spell people, but you're, you're playing basically six players. Is that part of that change? Uh, no, I, I really love to play a lot more people. Um, I just think right now where, where we were at with the Wash U win and how they played together, um, it's it just kind of a rotation right now. We have one player that uh, that had some issues that uh, will be back at Christmas time. Uh, that'll help us with our rotation. And then, uh, you know, at, at the beginning of the year here, we just had some success with that new offense, I guess you could say. The flow and how we're, we're, we're running things, those guys are running it really well. The other guys in our program right now, I mean, I thought in this last week here, they've been really starting to understand where they're supposed to be a little bit better um, defensively and offensively. So I think our rotation will get into the where it'll be 9 to 10 deep. Uh, I mean, that's where we're going. We're, we're going to get to 9 okay. or 10 deep by, you know, hopefully into January here uh, where we can play a few more guys. Uh, you're led by Jen Dowden, a junior, 18.8 points a game, 6.3 rebounds, 4.5 assists um, on top of that. And then this this senior, I don't know if you recognize the last name, uh, Caitlin Knupel, um, 16.2 points a game, three or nearly four rebounds a game, two assists a game for herself. Another senior in Karina Carson at 11.2. Those are the three in double figures, including one that looks relatively uh, familiar in, in, in relatively familiar is the key term coach. <laughs> yeah. Some, some really great kids. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know about my daughter. Sometimes she gets a little bit aggravated at me when I yell at her too much, but <laughs> <laughs> they all say that. They all say that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I used to get mad at my dad when he coached me back in the day too. Sure. So, uh, you know, it's, but, but some good kids. I mean, Jen, if, if you get a chance, if anybody gets a chance to your play, uh, you know, just just the inside out player, six one, and and can bring the ball up for us. Um, I know she'll get some All American attention just because she's she has that ability and has that skill. Can post up, can shoot threes. Um, you know, just is a huge factor for us. Um, and then Karina has, has been done a really good job for us uh, as a point guard. I mean, she hasn't. She really kind of came into it uh, last year for a starter for us and. Uh, you know, has done a great job for us, has a lot of quickness. And then my daughter, uh, you know, spent a lot of time in the gym. Just mm-hmm. spent a lot of time in the gym in the summertime. Spent three to four hours a day uh, shooting a 1,000 shots a day. And just, mm-hmm. she loves the game. It's going to be tough for me to see her go at the end of the year, just be my last daughter that I that's going to be going through. So it'll be kind of a, a sweet end of the end of the run with with my kids. So I was going to say this isn't the first time. Uh, I know you've you've had a lot of experience uh, with this, but what it it's going to be a little bittersweet. I know senior day is going to be a bit emotional. We we're not there yet, um, but on that token, what has it been like to be to be able to coach your children? Well, I love it. I love it. I, I you know I learned a lot from my father and and learned a lot from him coaching me and and just how he interacted with me and and it's just a a great experience i don't think you could trade it in for anything um you know some days you want to be you know i've made her cry a couple times which (laughs) which i don't make players cry but my own daughter i kind of pushed a little bit sometimes and um, but I think it's made her the, the person and the player she is, and it's just been a it, – it, it is awesome to coach your kids. Uh, my my first daughter didn't get to play very much in games, and uh, but just had a great experience and, and just being with them. Um, and I have a huge family, so 
my, my dad, my whole family's involved in the program. They're out recruiting for me, and uh, they all come to the games, and it's just a, it's a great family experience for us. I'm sure it is. Uh, back to what's ahead for you, this team. You're off to the good start. You obviously have a lot more to, to, to take care of. This season ain't over. Um, you got Alverno coming up in conference, and then you're going to have non-D3 St. Francis to play. Then you'll play Aurora. That's all before the new year. So three games between now and the new year. Conference action, of course, uh, returns on that December 30th game against Aurora. A lot of conference games, not a lot of opportunities to go outside of conference. How important is it to hold on and and win, not win this conference, but ex- at least control this conference? Well, you know, it, it's every game we talk to our players about every single game. I mean, we got Alverno next, and we just play every single game as hard as we can. And, yeah. Um, you know, we feel that every, I mean, since I've been coaching, I I just push our guys at every game, no matter what the record, what they're, I mean, everybody is out kind of to beat you. You've been at the top of the league for, for a few years, for many years. And it's, you know, everybody wants to beat you pretty bad. So it's, it's, you got to put your, your best foot forward every single game. Um, we know how much that means toward the end of the year. So dropping one, you know, we, we, we don't want to do that. So we just, we got to focus on what we need to do for Saturday and take that game. Obviously the, the non-conference game, I, I had to pick up one. Somebody had dropped the game on me and I ended up not being able to play a D3 school. And, um, you know, that, that one will play. I mean, we're going to do the best we can at that, yeah, that sure. game, but, uh, you know, obviously, but that doesn't mean as much as our, our conference games coming up and, um, you know, well, we just take one game at a time and, and really focus on each each opponent and and take every every opponent in our conference at the best that they're going to play. Um, do you and the NACC, you know, doesn't necessarily get always the same respect as everybody else, but you guys certainly still kind of represent pretty well, especially Wisconsin Lutheran, but other teams as well. Is it is as competitive as it as it seems sometimes? You had a fifteen and five record last year, sixteen and four the year before. It's been a few years since you went undefeated or, or nineteen and one, or is it still top heavy? Um, it's a little top heavy, but I think we have some younger coaches in our league that are, uh, you know, they're really stepping up. They're they're out recruiting. I can tell they're out recruiting. I, I think that's a huge step for our league. I, um, you know where where I'm. You're seeing them out there more. You're hearing more from other players that you, that you're that I'm recruiting. That um, you know you you kind of get that feel from those teams that they're you know they're 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 really working to try to get some good kids into their school. So that's a plus for us. Um, I think yeah, it is a little top heavy for the, for the guys with with CW and and Benedictine and us and and I think CUC will be pretty good this year and. You know, Lakeland, Lakeland was pretty good last year, and, and it'll be decent this year. So, um, yeah, it is a little bit on the on the top-heavy side. But, but again, as I said before, the, the opponents in our league, they want to beat us really bad. And, yeah. Um, we got to play tough every single game. And I, and I don't have, you know, we have firepower. But, but again, uh, we got to play really hard on defense every game out against our conference opponents because they're, they're trying to do things, uh, you know, against Caitlin and Jen and, um, you know they'll face guard Kate a little bit more and, and those kind of things. So, so we got to just figure out how we're gonna, you know, accomplish what we want to accomplish this year. Well, coach, I appreciate you taking time to talk about it. Uh, fascinating start for the uh, for the Warriors. Uh, again, the win over Washu certainly got plenty of attention, but you know it's not like you didn't play DePaul well either. Uh, yeah. And and Elmhurst was a good win, and obviously it's the rest of the ways conference play, but it's it's a good start. 
and I and I uh, tip my hat to you guys. Um, as always, you give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Well, I really appreciate you having me on. I I really appreciate it. And D three hoops is is just it's awesome. And and to get our conference on and and be able to talk to you a little bit is, is great for our league. And and we really appreciate what you guys do. And um, you know, it, it, we'll hope we can keep on winning here and we'll keep working for you and <laughs> hopefully be able to bring home a conference championship. But, uh, again, I really appreciate you having us on. Well, thank you for taking the time coach. Enjoy the season. Enjoy obviously with your daughter. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. I, I know we'll probably be talking to you uh, later in the year. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Happy holidays, coach. You too. Thank you. Coach Knupel joining us here on the Hoopsville hotline. Again, his squad, off to a 5-1 and one start, 3-0 and oh in conference play. Alverno coming up on Saturday, then 10 days off before they'll take on St. Francis, then another 11 days off they'll take on Aurora, and then everything really gears up in January when they get back into conference play. Going to take another break. When we come back, we'll, talk, we'll head down to Texas, talk to the Austin Ruse women's basketball program. What are they up to? They also have a significant win over a Wash U program. You listen to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. Cheer for the stumbles. That he should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, and I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you're primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. Cheer for the stumbles. That he should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. 
And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we continue to roll along here in the second hour of the show. Stalking women's basketball at this point in time. Of course, Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Switching gears, heading down to Texas, talking to the Austin Ruse women's basketball program. Might be surprised at 4-4 four and four that they're a topic of conversation, but they did have a win. Their last game against Wash U, 85-77, one of the best pictures we've had on D3 Hoops. We've had two of them now, one on the men's side, one on the women's side, and it came from Austin Ruse and their head coach, Michelle Feilander. Their four losses say just as much as their four wins, believe it or not. They've had a pretty challenging schedule, but also an interesting schedule. We talked extensively with Coach Feilander in a fascinating interview that, uh, that we talked to her earlier today. Here it is in its entirety, and really take a listen to a lot of what she talks about in terms of scheduling and what her passions are. It's all coming up here uh, when she joined me earlier today. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of the Austin Women's Program, Michelle Feinlander. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, we invited you uh, off of the heels of, of beating Wash U. Uh, that's a significant win for the program, no matter who Wash U is. At the same time, though, looking into the 4-4 four and four record, I noticed some things there that kind of intrigued me. You guys, while 4-4, four and four are, are have kind of some strong victories in there, and you're not shying away from some opponents here. No, we're not. Um, you know, there, there's a very strategic way that, that we go about our scheduling. I think we're fortunate in, in kind of our regional area that we have the ability to reach out and play some, some pretty strong programs and pretty strong teams here in the South region. So uh, we take every advantage uh, of doing that. We just feel like the opportunity to play against teams that have either been in the NCAA tournament the year before or are likely to be NCAA tournament teams in the coming year is something that, that we want to do. We, we we want to put ourselves in that position, one, as a measuring stick, but two, also as, as, as a form of preparation and, sure. and a way to, to kind of prep ourselves and, and, and know where we stand. So, yeah, certainly not, and it, it's what we want to do. I think our, our combined four losses, I think those teams together have two losses themselves. So, you know, it's, it's not what we would have preferred, but it's not something we, we certainly are embarrassed by either. So, um, yeah, so that's... Yeah. Well, yeah, two or three losses amongst the teams you've lost to, which are Texas-Dallas twice, East Texas Baptist, and Hendricks. And you handed mm -hmm. Hendricks its only loss of the season. That's the other quirk about this schedule that I wanted to talk about, too, though. It's almost like you're playing a conference schedule against non-conference opponents. You'll, you, will have, you have played two against Texas-Dallas. You have played two against Hendricks. You will end up playing two against Millsaps. Mm -hmm. And I know it's because sometimes in that region it is tough to find games, but was was there another idea? Because even they're deciding to go ahead and play you twice. Yeah, uh, some of it is just relationships. To be quite honest, um, the uh, and I'll give Polly down at UTD a shout out. She's an Austin College alum, right? And they sit 50 minutes away. Um, so you know, so that just kind of becomes easy, and they're good competition, and and we enjoy one another. So so we do that every year. Now moving forward, we're not going to be able to do that as our conference expands. But um, yeah, sure. But, uh, you know, to get the games, it, it just kind of makes sense for us. Neither one of us hurt each other, so, right. so we do that. Um, as far as Hendricks and Millsaps goes, you know, they used to be in the SCAC. Right. And we've maintained really, really good relationships with, 
with that side, who's now the uh, the new SAA. I've I've got great relationships with the coaches in that conference. Some of them are are pretty easy, reachable distances by bus for us. So so we just kind of maintain that um, some of those those good relationships and ability to to play those quality quality programs. And there's schools like us, schools we respect and uh, people that we like to compete against. So you know, as the future goes and, and conferences change and and things shift, you know, we may not be able to do yeah. twice anymore but um but we'll certainly look at maintaining uh minimally once a year we, we like playing those guys and obviously it changes so this kind con- this con- uh question may be completely irrelevant moving forward but is there is there a risk you're playing i don't know how often you're necessarily in the at-large conversation but you're playing a risk in the sense that you're kind of washing out those games and making it a, a 500 sos because you're playing them twice just like you would in yeah. your conference so you leave yourself only one or two games that have any influence. Is is that a risk or is, is and I'll be I'll ask bluntly: Is your program at a point where that's irrelevant? You got to go win your conference, and that's all that really matters. I think right now that's that's where we are. Okay. I think yeah, it, you know, and and I've been on the regional ranking committee now for yeah. the last three years, and um, in the South, and and quite frankly, you know, as you start to move the four and five losses, it, it doesn't seem to get the job done from an at-large perspective. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so you are looking at at securing the the automatic qualifier. So it's not something that we've been ha- have a heightened sense of awareness about simply because of of that situation. I mean, there's some great schools over in the ODAC. There's some great sure. you know uh, that that are gonna probably be two and three loss teams at the end of the year and, and high up in those regional rankings. So I mean, we've cracked the regional rankings the last two years. Mm-hmm. We were eighth two years ago and seventh last year. Um, but it, it's just not quite enough. So I think I think we do run that risk. I think, but you know, given some of the parameters that we that we have to schedule in, um, and the opportunity to play other teams, uh, it, it can it it can sometimes be hard to be too specifically strategic. Speaking of kind of your experience on the on the regional committee, are you saying basically that? The SOS doesn't take as much, and I don't want to say priority because that's not the right word, but it doesn't mm-hmm. have as much influence as maybe we think it is, or you've already gotten to enough losses where really ha- your SOS is no longer relevant. That, yeah, it's the latter. Okay. Um, so it's not so much. The SOS is certainly important, but winning percentage at the end of the day is is you know what I mean, is, is going to be a priority. So if at any point that winning percentage falls, too low, then you know, then then the SOS is is going to come into play, but it still can't. At some point, yeah, you're playing tough teams, but you got to beat them. You, yeah. you got to win. Yeah. So, um, I mean, really, that's what it comes down. And to. And obviously, you could try and improve your SOS to make up for the losses, but then you're playing. It's a double-edged sword, and that's where you yeah. get into the really tricky part of scheduling. We won't go into that minutia, yeah. but it's a conversation I have with people all the time. Is yeah, go schedule yourself. Go ahead and take a couple losses, but understand at some point you are going to cross over that line too. But right. you go and schedule yourself really easy and have a lot of great wins, losses, but a horrible SOS, then you've gone in the other direction and you're actually going to hurt yourself too. So it's a yeah. fine line yeah. to some degree. Exactly. And the balance in the South is even tougher to achieve. I mean, with you know, with the other Texas League down here, they have so many conference games. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's tough to find opportunities to play some of those guys. We do our best, and they do a great job working with us as much as they can. Yeah, I agree. Um, but it's kind of a little bit of a scheduling nightmare sometimes. Yeah, it'd be nice to see the ASC go to an ODAC model where you could free up some non-conferences so they could play some SCACs yeah, along the way. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see as, as things progress. That's the one thing I've learned moving south, you know, kind of – all my coaching experience prior to here <laughs> yeah. has been in the in the northeast. So moving south is it's it, it it's 
there's so much change from year to year. It's, yeah. It, um, I was definitely brought up in a much more consistent um, <laughs> conference environment, yeah. but um, but it is it is what it is uh, down here. So, um, but we'll see as as things move on. We'll talk a little more about the team in a moment, but let's talk more about the schedule coming up. You've got that rematch with Millsaps. You've got a game against Rhodes. You'll take your break, and then you'll have the rematch with Texas. No, not rematch. You'll play Texas Tyler for the first time, uh, mm-hmm. and then get into conference play in the SCAC. Um, tough part of, of the season, we kind of talked about it with some other guests here tonight, is keeping the team focused. When you take a break for exams, which you're kind of in the middle of now, play a couple more games, then take a break for the holidays, then come back and get ready. And, of course, you're going to enter right into conference action for the first time in your case. How do you keep the team focused? How do you keep the team, um, while focused on academics and taking a break, which they need, focusing on on also being ready for the next game? Mm-hmm. For uh, you know, it's uh, maybe it's it, we're in a little bit different situation, at least with with this particular group and their personalities. Once we get through finals, life does get easier for us, sure. despite the breaks. Um, you know, our if, if you look at our at the way we kind of play out in the first few weeks of the con, I joke all the time. I just despise November <laughs> <laughs> because I'm coaching doctors and lawyers at the end yeah, of the day. True, and um, and and I love it, and and that's why I do it. But you know. There, there's some times when, when they're not entirely focused because they're trying to get into med school. And, and how can you blame a kid? You can't. No, it's, no. it's what they're here to do. So we tend to get a little bit better and more focused as we move into December and January because that academic load um, has gone away because finals are over and, yeah. and we don't start the spring, the, the full spring semester until you know the end of January. Um, so as we move into conference, they they have the ability to kind of lighten up we we tend to uh we tend to kind of hit our stride Mm. about mid-december which makes me excited as we get to that point of the year is that kind of go ahead a little bit opposite for us is that kind of you said to me off air the the season has been a little bit of schizophrenic to some degree is that Mm. what is that what leads to that is and and it's not a lack of focus i don't want to say that but the the fact that they have to focus on so many other things yeah yeah, it's partially that. It's partially the way that we have to schedule. Um, I yeah. think we played six games in 12 days, yes. and we practiced three times since the, since tip-off. Oh, wow. So there just wasn't a lot of opportunity to adjust. There wasn't. We were oftentimes prepping for a team on, on one day. Um, so it, it was just kind of the the you know the the complexity of yeah. of the schedule and 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 what it leaves you the the availability to do because we have to to try to push so many of those games into a small amount of time in the in those first two weeks of the season so i think that was not in our favor this sure. year uh the other thing is um you know our youth uh we're about half and half i've got some good returners you know but but there's a lot of my minutes that are going to freshmen who've mm. never been on a three-hour bus ride to go play their, an away game. Uh, when we went down to ETBU, a lot of my freshmen were like, Coach, that's the longest bus ride I've ever been on. I'm like, well, get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Texas. <laughs> Welcome to college. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I think they, I think our youth, you know, the freshmen have to learn how to navigate the college game and, and what all that entails with the travel. And, and not just that, but freshmen have a huge transition that they have to make. Um, and I tell them all the time through the recruiting process, as hard as you play in a game right now is as hard as you're going to play in practice every day. And there's a physicality 
to games and to practice that they haven't experienced on a day-to-day basis that they're going to experience now. So, so we kind of have to uh, we kind of have to get them through all of that fairly quickly. You have two seniors, you have five juniors, three sophomores, and then you talk about that freshman group. Let's see, I had the number and I've already lost it. Two, four, six, seven, eight freshmen. So yeah, one, your your team's all over the place a little bit here with two seniors mm-hmm. and then five juniors, but you've got these eight freshmen and along with the sophomores, you do have a lot of youth on this squad. Yeah, we do. Um it's just the way that, um, I mean, I think our freshman classes typically tend to be um, always on the bigger side. Um, it's just the way it, it division sure. three is a little bit of an imprecise recruiting science. Yeah. Uh, so, Retention's so it tends hard. To be, yeah. Um, but we've, we, and we've always had a couple of freshmen every year impact us, but this year we've got four or five impacting us. Yeah. And we knew that was going to be the case. We just didn't have the depth that we were happy with at all last year. So, so we intentionally went out and, I mean, worked a, like you wouldn't believe <laughs> to yeah. get this group in here. Um, so, you know, we, we knew what potential we had. It was just a matter of, and, and this has been part of the, the first part of the season too, trying to figure out, rotationally what that looks like um you know where's your consistency going to come from because you just haven't seen these kids uh perform in in those situations just yet so we so we have to learn them and um so that's been been part of the early season growth process for us too is just figuring out how to rotate that youth, how to combine it with our experience and our upperclassmen learning those freshmen having, that they're having to play so many minutes with them um, and, and really trying to figure out what rotation works best for us. And I think we, we certainly answered a lot of questions this weekend for ourselves. We did make some changes going into this past weekend um, as far as um, positions and, and lineups and rotations are concerned. So um, it, it's been me trying to learn them a lot. Uh, Bryce Frank, a junior, leads a team 15.5 points a game. and Savage, a junior, 12 points a game. Uh, we should point out Frank hauling down 6.5 rebounds and handing out 3 assists. Uh, Addie Walling, a freshman, 8.5 points a game. Katie, uh, Casey West, 8.5 points a game as a freshman as well. Uh, solid rebounding from Walling. All three of those, well, two, three of the four of those with solid assist numbers as well. Yeah, we don't really get to the senior class statistically until we get the Megan Lewis at, at five points a game. This is definitely a little bit of a younger squad. And, and again, mentioned this on an earlier interview, not that we are looking ahead, but it is building to the future. Yeah, um, you know, I've I've been excited just because in some ways I get to coach the same team for two years. Hmm. Um, and that's, you know, of course, we're going to miss Megan and Kendra um, as we move into next year. But just from a body standpoint, um, we're, we're realistically getting to coach the same, same team for two years. So yeah. as we planned and looked ahead, we wanted to choose things philosophically, adapt things. We, we did make a few adjustments going into this year defensively and to our motion offense because we knew we had that opportunity ahead of us sure. and and what that meant so we're we're not focused on it mm-hmm. we're very i'm very aware of it and um and and quite excited about it but but for now it's just you know getting better every day now yeah you circle back to uh the wash U game back on december 2nd you got the 85 77 win love the picture we had on d3hoops.com of you kind of <laughs> Looking up to the sky, uh, I couldn't. Please let, let, let this be my opportunity to tell everybody I am twenty weeks pregnant. Okay. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> so, 
That's not where I was headed, but okay. Mother, I'm like, that one, I'm like, gosh, there needs to be context around that. Well, I was going to say the look on your face was one of, it seemed, um, kind of uh, relief uh, that you got the win, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But also kind of, uh, oh my gosh, we pulled that one off. Uh, (laughs) But clearly there was more going on than just that. Yeah. Yeah, we, you know, I, I was actually, at the time that, that they got that, I was walking towards the end of the bench. I always I always tell the girls, I'm like, you know, no matter what, act, enjoy things, but act like you've been there. And, uh, and so I, I thought I had a moment to myself there as we walked to the end of the bench. I, I was very wrong. In your own mind, you did. Yes. <laughs> You're in a gym, coach. Yeah, I know, I know. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was all of those things, just, just kind of the realization that, uh, that we had, we had accomplished something that, that really was meaningful for this team, but the program as a whole. Yeah. And how much does that spark the rest of the season? How much now can you go to your team and say, Hey, you can do this, darn it. Oh, uh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you always need, and they talk about when you hear, you know, all the commentators on TV and everybody talk, they always talk about signature wins and they talk about the things that, you know, that start to allow you to consolidate a little bit. And, and so you're always looking for that opportunity and, and for that win to come along. And, and we've been fortunate over the last several years, we've, we've had that opportunity that, you know, unfortunately at UT Tyler's expense for the last two years, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, so we've 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 been fortunate that we've had a group of of kids that and, and teams that have been able to to kind of get that win and then really build and say, okay, this is a confidence boost. This we've we've answered questions. We know now what works and and how to replicate that. And then not only that, but psychologically, there's and then this is what we try to talk about to them. You know, just purely from a like I said, from a psychological standpoint, is, is replicating that feeling and, and you know, that, that joy of winning and the fun that you had and, and how you got to play just to feel that way again. Uh, great segue because we can talk about the fact that you have have in the past at least, don't know if you still are, given lectures on stress management and psychology of injuries. Uh, you seem to be one of those coaches who can understand the psychology – butchered that word – psychology of <laughs> – of the student athlete, having been one yourself at the D1 mm-hmm. level for a period of time, but also understanding it from your studies, that's got to be integral and huge for your coaching uh, abilities as well. It, it is. Um, you know, we, we have put a very um, heavy emphasis on our culture, our team culture, and, and that's all – the psychology. I, I joke all the time. The best thing I could have done to prepare myself to be a women's basketball coach is get a psychology degree. Hmm. Um, and and so and and that's and that's just it. And so we put everything into culture, and we we almost spend more time on that than we even do the X's and O's. Um, and and in training leadership skills, in training um, communication skills, everything that that we we leave no stone unturned. We don't leave anything to chance. I think sometimes you hear coaches say, well, I'm just waiting to see who my leaders are going to be, or I'm waiting to see who shows me they have the potential to be my next great captain. And, oh, we'll be as good as these captains our leaders want to take us. Or, well, we, don't, we, we just assume nobody knows what that means. Like we don't mm-hmm. expect any 18-year-old old, uh, high school graduate to get here and, and be a great leader or know even what leadership means. We assume you know nothing, and it's a skill that we have to teach you. And, and so we do that. We start training them 
as soon as they get here as freshmen as to as to what our definition of leadership and culture is and how we accomplish that and what everyone's role and responsibility is in in us achieving the the type of culture and atmosphere that that we all want to um you know perform in on a daily basis and and so what that's done for us it's created a high level of consistency so every year when our seniors our four year players become captains for us there's no doubt as to whether we're going to have a good group of captains. They know exactly what to do. They know they've been they've been ready for this for three years now, and 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 taught how to how to handle a lot of different situations and and what's expected of them. So we put a ton of effort and a ton of time into into that piece of it. Um, you know, for me, there is an empathy piece of it. Just knowing that, I, you know, I look back on my career as a player. And, you know, I've, I've kind of played a lot of different roles. I've been the injured kid. I've been the bench player. I've been the sixth man off the bench. I've been the starter. Uh, I've been the kid that makes the winning shot, that misses the winning shot. Mm-hmm. Been, you know, so, so I have, you know, and, and we talk a lot about empathy in the program, but I empathize greatly with, with each and one of, every, uh, of my girls, no matter what role they find themselves in. And uh, so, we, so we work hard then, you know, to build those relationships around the fact that, that we can understand each other mm. on, on those different levels. I'm uh, talking to Michelle Feinlander, head coach of the uh, Austin women's basketball program. should point out she's also the SWA and assistant athletics director at Austin. And you would, you would probably have a fascinating coach, or conversation with John Tower at St. Thomas men's basketball, similar mentalities. And by the way, I should point out there's, there's a few coaches like yourselves out there, but I think you and John would probably have a fascinating conversation on that. Um, quickly, before I get to the conference, before we wrap up, we've having a great conversation here, but Per your education, you you played D1 at Robert Morris for a period of time. Unfortunately, injury curtailed that. You ended then up at Ohio Wesleyan. um, And then you got your master's at West Virginia. But what really kind of – did Ohio Wesleyan kind of steer you into Division III? Was that how you kind of got into the division, as it were? And how in the world did you end up in Texas after all that? (laughs) Um, It's – well, the story is, uh, you know, after my injury at, at Robert Morris, I remember sitting in the locker room with my teammates, and, and I had decided I wanted to pursue this psychology degree. Um, it wasn't quite exactly what, I, what they offered at Robert Morris, wasn't quite what I was looking for. I remember sitting in the locker room talking to a lot of my teammates, and uh, I asked them what they were doing. I'm like, what are you guys doing after this? Like, what's your plan? And a lot of them were going back to school. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You're telling me you're going to graduate here and you're going to go get another degree, undergraduate degree, because you're not getting what you want here. Just so you can say you played four years of D1. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, I I don't have time for this. Yeah, (laughs) I don't blame you. Yeah. So I... um, so I made the decision uh, mid-year, about two weeks after ACL surgery, to transfer to Ohio Wesleyan. They had originally recruited me out of high school as well. Okay. And uh, so I was familiar with them. I'd already done a campus visit my senior year in high school. Uh, I was a little further from home, actually, than Robert Morris. Pittsburgh was closer to home than Columbus. But, okay. uh, but I transferred and uh, attempted to play again and ended up tearing that ACL again. Mm. And that's when things really really changed. At the time, I thought it was the worst thing that had ever happened to me. I had just lost my college career. It was done. ACL rehab back then. I'm dating myself with still a um, (laughs) 12-month recovery process. I still think it is. (laughs) 
So, um, but uh, yeah, I, I was just beside myself. And my college coach at the time, who, Nan Carney DeBoard, she's the athletic mm-hmm. director now at Denison University. She actually came and found me in my dorm room, and I'll never forget wow. it. And uh, she was like, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm just going to sit here and cry right now. I'm like, I'm, I'm in the dark crying my eyes out, uh, you know, after my second surgery. And, and she's like, well, you're not going away. You're not walking away. I'm, I'm not going to allow you to do that. So she gave me a um, basically an, a student assistant role on her staff. But it was so much more than that. Um, it wasn't just me filling up water bottles and, you know, and, and kind of being a glorified manager. She gave me legitimate responsibility responsibility. I, mm. I got to coach the JV program. I scheduled the officials. I drove, you wouldn't dream of doing this nowadays, but no. I drove the vans, I, you know, to get the, get the girls to the JV games. Um, during the varsity practices, I, I had breakdown drills by myself. If there was something that I noticed at halftime and I told her about it and she agreed, she would go use my words in the locker room verbatim. And those were the moments when I'm like, man, she trusts me and, yeah. and maybe I like this. <laughs> and um, so, so uh, yeah, from there she helped me. Um, she made a phone call and introduced me to the next huge influence in my life, which was Gina DeRubo at Washington. She's now at Washington and Jefferson College, but yep. at the time she was the head coach at Bethany College. Yep. And Gina hired me on as her assistant, as her graduate assistant. And so I worked with her for three years at Bethany, and then we both jumped together uh, to WJ for for four years. So, um, and then, you know, worked with Gina for all those years. And Gina's, I mean, I think she still has one of the highest active winning percentages in, in Division Three women's basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've been very fortunate to, to be around some, I just think, the best quality in the game from a coaching perspective and uh, mentors that, that I very much look up to. So uh, when it came time and, and I felt like I was ready, and, and the, the moment I knew I was ready to be a head coach was when I, when I realized it was going to be a huge responsibility, and I don't know if I wanted it. <laughs> and that's when I knew it was time. Because um, I was like, man, these, you know, I'm going to yeah. be responsible for these girls, yeah. and uh, it's important that I do this right. Um, so, uh, so I started looking and, uh, it was for me, the most important thing. I I remember Mike Krzyzewski saying once that if you want to build a program, it's gotta be the best academic institution you can find Okay. and then you can build a program. And, and so that was, that was my criteria. I didn't want to limit myself geographically. There's only so many opportunities around. I mean, we, we're in a profession that's very limited. Um, so so I was just looking for the best academic institution that matched my value set and, and what I had been through academically and how, how important I felt that was because, I mean, that, it, you've got to recruit and you're selling a product. And if you don't believe in what you're selling, you're not going to, one, be very successful at it, but, two, got to sleep at night. And yeah, uh, so I never lose a second of sleep at Austin College. Oh, it's cool. such a phenomenal academic place. And, uh, and I know exactly what these, the opportunities for, for such a great education these, these kids have. So, yeah, Texas came along. They, uh, I came down for the interview just thinking it was going to be a practice interview. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember spending – it was the longest interview ever. It was like a three-day interview. I'm like, wow. these people are crazy. Um, I've never heard but, of a three-day uh, interview. I got on the plane in Dallas to head back, and I called my husband before we took off. And he's like, well, how'd it go? And I'm like, I think it went really well, but you're not going to believe this. I really like it down here. 
<laughs> and he's like, you've got to be kidding me. And I said, no. And he's like, well, we'll talk about it more when you get home. Exactly. And a week later, I had accepted the position, and we were getting ready to pack the moving truck and, and move across the country. Wow. So Sherman, but, uh, Texas, too. Yeah. Well, and, and Texas has been great. I mean, we've assimilated well. He's now the head swimming and diving coach here at Austin College. Oh, cool. So, yeah, it's become a family affair. Sherman, just north of Dallas, for anybody who's not familiar. Yes. Uh, up Don't near fly the, to Austin. Uh, it'll be a huge mistake. Yeah. A little, a little north. They're just south of the Oklahoma uh, border yep. um, there, so uh, kind of the northern part of the state, right below the Red River. Um, before we let you go, quickly about the conference. Uh, Trinity, Texas has been the behemoth though there's certainly been other teams who have been in the fray. Is Austin in the fray this season? Uh, you know, I'd like to think so. I mean, I certainly want to put us there, regardless of, I guess, what anybody sure. else thinks. Um, you know, we were picked in the preseason poll second, and that's just, um, I think, a, a sign of respect from, from the other conference coaches, yeah. and, and we certainly appreciate that. Um, so, you know, so we were, we were picked to be right there. I think we return, um, you know, several of those all-conference performers and that type of thing. So, uh, you know, I, it, it's conference play, and everything changes yeah. when you get to conference. People know you so intimately well, and, and it's a different type of game when you get to, get to that. So you've got to, um, you know, I tell the girls, it's, it's all about eating the elephant. You eat an elephant one bite of a, bite of a time. So to put ourselves in the situation that we want to be in, that's exactly what we've got to do. You've got to take these teams one game at a time because on any given day and any given night and once you get into conference. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's going to be the case. And, and, and Trinity is always looming out there. They've got a phenomenal program, phenomenal coaches that do a great job. And uh, we have a lot of respect for them, but, but we love competing against them, that's for sure. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. And fascinating to see how the SCAC race works itself out this year. Um, and uh, great chatting with you. Uh, learned a lot. Appreciate you taking it. Uh, as always, we give, uh, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Um, man, I just I, I, I'm so appreciative of, of those out there and, and the coaches and the student athletes and, and the families. And, and Division three basketball is, is such a special thing. It, uh, Division three in general, but, but D3 hoops and D3 basketball, it, it, it's a phenomenon. And, and you really have to, to understand it and you really have to know what we're doing because um, the beauty of Division three is the balance. And, and I get on my D3 soapbox all the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, but what we're doing here and, and these leaders that, that we're producing all across the country at all of our different programs and, and what these young men and women go on to do is, is just absolutely outstanding. And and uh, and we're so, I'm so grateful to know that, that we have at least a little bit of their life. You know, four years is a small snapshot in the grand scheme of things. But uh, just so grateful for, for all the things that Division Three has to do in, in, in the future leaders of the world. Well, you, you couldn't say it better. Uh, certainly what we, appre- we appreciate about Division Three as well. Thank you for taking the time. Have a, a wonderful holidays, and we'll look forward to talking to you in the future. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Michelle Feilander joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. And thanks to Coach again for joining us. Great conversation. Went a little longer than we normally do because I didn't want it to stop. It was tremendous, and if, and if anybody doesn't know, we don't tend to, pre, uh, to edit our pre-taped interviews, they start and finish the way they uh, were recorded. Unless we have extenuating circumstances, credit, that one could have fit. We could have probably found some spot in there that we didn't need to air, but we certainly wanted to air as much as we could. So hats off to Coach. Um, 
couple quick things to recap. We're wrapping up the show here. Instead of taking a break, we're just going to wrap up the show. Uh, we had a busy night of, of games. Um, Amherst and Babson came down to the end. Do you remember when that was a game of the year last year, to quote um, to quote my colleague Ryan? Um, it, we, we expected that. Ryan Scott, you remember last year we were watching that game, went double overtime, Amherst won, Babson taking their first hit. We're like, wow, this could be a fascinating year. Two things of note. First off, this year's game wasn't nearly as good as last year's game. It still came down to the wire. Amherst leading by two uh, at Babson. Babson comes down, and I don't remember who the player was right off the top of my head. Goes for a three and is fouled pretty much at the buzzer. Uh, they line guys up, so there's a little bit of time on the clock. And hit all three free throws to win it for Babson by one. Here's what I thought of it. A year ago, that game was a game of the year, and we thought... These two behemoths will be fighting it out for the rest of the season. Obviously not in conference, but in the regional rankings. We'll probably see him in the national tournament. Amherst has gone the opposite direction ever since then. They started last season off tremendously well. And then, what, finished 500 or less than 500 the rest of the season last year. Um, I'm actually going to double check that. And off to an average start this season. They're getting top 25, don't get me wrong. Uh, but that's their first loss with five five wins to start the season. I know that. But Sarah Lawrence, Western New England, Westfield State, Emerson, and Anna Maria. Let's be blunt. That's not exactly a who's who list for Amherst men's basketball. And they better beat Sarah Lawrence by 30. They better beat Western New England. Um, granted, it was by 12. They better beat Westfield State. They beat them by almost 40. They better beat Emerson, who they beat by 13. And they better beat Anna Maria, who they beat by 27. I correction, 37. But they had a rough end of last season. They ended up finishing 17 and 8 after starting the season 8 and 0 with the Babson game being win number 7. So they went the rest of the season 9 and 8. So interesting how difference in two seasons is, to say the least. Uh, Amherst, their first loss of the season, they'll take on LaSalle, who they played immediately after Babson last season. Uh, they'll also take on Springfield. Now, interesting note about Springfield. Springfield tonight took on Trinity and were leading early. Uh, they got out to a hot start, and they were leading early, and then just took a loss. They lost by 18 to Trinity. Uh, let me double-check what that scoring difference was in the stretch. I, got a, I saw a tweet earlier. I'm see if I can find it quickly here. Springfield out or Trinity outscored Springfield 41-22 in the second half to win 72-54. Our colleague Gordon Mann says I don't I don't think he's ever seen Trinity beat Springfield. <laughs> well, it happened this year, which only adds confusion to the rest of the slate. By the way, Springfield will take on Williams and Amherst in the next two games in the next week, and then they'll head to Texas, uh, down to South uh, down to uh, Trinity, Texas, where they'll take on Southwestern and Trinity of Texas. So Springfield, an interesting slate. By the way, uh, a little note. I know why they're heading to Spring <laughs> San Antonio. Uh, Charlie Brock, the head coach of Springfield, and Pat Cunningham, the head coach of Trinity, very good friends. So that's why that game took place. So a couple notes of, of men's scores and also the score we mentioned, WPI uh, uh, upsetting, quote-unquote, upsetting Eastern Connecticut, and Babson, quote-unquote, upsetting Amherst. Just because those two teams, Eastern Connecticut and Amherst, both uh, nationally ranked. Um, I... We'll see what happens. 
uh, with top 25 voters on how they, they react to that. I know I'm not voting for Amherst, so it doesn't affect me. Eastern Connecticut, I will rethink a little bit, and I will see if we keep them in there or not. I, I Way too early to say. Only the third or fourth top 25 loss of the of the uh, of the week. On the women's side, I know Rochester and St. John Fisher were playing. I believe that game is still underway. Yeah, it is still underway. Um, not sure of the score off the top of my head. I'll see if I can get that. Otherwise, nothing really of note. No other top 25 teams were taking place. Nothing really jumped out at me in games. Um, Rochester leads St. John Fisher 50-28 to as we bring this to a close near the end of the third quarter. Also, back to our breaking news once again. The St. Norbert women's basketball program has uh, canceled the next 10 games of the season, which goes through January 24th. They've had a number of players who have been suspended due to an alcohol-related incident on campus. It went through the entire process on campus, including an investigation onto the Judiciary Council, uh, which is student-driven. Um, we should point out it doesn't appear this had anything to do with hazing, and I'm trying to make sure that that is understood. Um, it appears these students... Um, there was some underage drinking, we believe. Uh, long story short, um, they are they, they suspended enough players that St. Norbert can't field a team for the next 10 games because the players have been suspended for 10 games. They've basically been suspended until the next semester starts. Um, the three conference games they had already played in the Midwest Conference apparently will be changed to conference games or non-conference games, and the remaining conference games will be non-conference games. That way no one has an advantage or disadvantage. That said, there are going to be some teams, I believe, who will have lost uh, two games off their schedule. Uh, almost everybody will lose one game off their schedule, but some will lose two. I'm trying to double-check who they are. For St. Norbert, um, obviously there's a tournament in Wilmington, Ohio, uh, that will be affected by this, including Chicago, who will most likely lose a game unless they tinker that schedule a little bit and work it out. Uh, but games that will be double missed, I'm double checking. Uh, Cornell lucks out. They'll miss. They're the first game that be um, canceled, but they will be back in session or their first game back will be against Cornell. Interesting enough, I don't see any double misses. Uh, Beloit, Grinnell, Illinois College, Monmouth, Ripon, Knox, Lawrence. So, by luck, only one game will be missed by all those teams. Whether the NCAA will allow them to find another opponent and pick up that game is to be determined. That has happened before. We'll see what happens. Got a, a text message from a, uh, a, a coach I respect. says, hey, Kings women's basketball moved to 5-2 and two tonight. Um, they uh, won all five games against the CSAC and lost close games to both landmark squads. You're right, Kings women. Off to a pretty good solid start. And I want to thank him for the text to remind me of that. I saw that tweet pop up a moment ago as well. So an interesting night here on Hoopsville, starting with some breaking news and some other things. Got a couple top 25 upsets in there as well and plenty of others. Got lots of content in tonight's show. Uh, believe it or not, it's still run by me and me only. I don't have a staff. I really need a staff. We're going to have to find a way to keep this show on the air by finding staff members to help us put this show together, graphics and emails and and, and chase down other content. But I want to thank everybody who, who helped us out. By the way, quick note on the men's side, Williams eked it past Fitchburg Stake. I'm joking. They won 106-56 over Fitchburg Stake. State. I can't seem to say that correctly. Rochester rolled over St. John Fisher in men's basketball, 82-64. I forgot to mention those two games. I wanted to make sure to mention them. Um, anyway, uh, so I want to thank everybody who, who came on the show and the sports information directors and others who helped us. I want to, again, thank Dan Lucas, 
the uh, assistant athletics director and athletics communications uh, director for uh, St. Norbert for coming on the show. I want to thank the Transylvania Sports Information Office for getting us a sound from Brian Lane after their big win over Hanover and one that is going to have us voters certainly rethinking things uh, with Hanover and maybe with Transylvania. I also want to thank uh, the uh, the coaches that we had on the show, Dave Duino, along with um, Ken Davis on the men's side from Averett and Wisconsin, uh, not Wisconsin, I'm sorry, Averett and Lake Forest, respectfully, um, Clay Knupel and Michelle Feilander from Wisconsin Lutheran and Austin, respectfully, and of course all their sports information directors as well. Thank you for interacting with us on the show. Appreciate you taking the time. We're going to be back on the air Sunday. A reminder, a week from tonight, no show due to Stag Bowl and Gallardi Trophy Week, Stag Bowl Week, I should say. Um, I will be in Salem, Virginia for that. The final Stag Bowl for essentially for the foreseeable future in Salem. Uh, we will be in town for that. So no show, just too much going on next week for us to get that on the air. But we will be on the air this Sunday at 7 o'clock, and we will be on the air next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Three shows left before the holidays. Uh, this Sunday, next Sunday, and the following Thursday uh, at this time, we will be on the air and then uh, take our holiday break. If you got guest ideas for us, you can always tweet us. If you got other ideas, you can e- email us too. Tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Interact with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville as well. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Thank you for taking the time. Remember, this is uh, content is copyrighted by Hoopsville and DMAC Productions. We hope you enjoyed the show. I want to thank d3hoops.com as always in the WBCA and NABC as well. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. Enjoy some good games this weekend, though it is finals time. This is when games are a little bit more spare or sparse, but we'll certainly find some good action nonetheless. You've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on Sunday night.